Well, good morning and happy new year. Please turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Hebrews 10, verse 19. Now, before we begin, I've got to ask, how many of you have made special New Year's resolutions? One. I'm seeing one hand. What about you at home? Maybe some of you have made some. Welcome to you as well, by the way. Well, I will be honest, Marianne. I'm not a big fan of New Year's resolutions, but I think it's because I've seen them fail so often. You know, how often do we make these big, grand declarations for the coming year, and then January 7th comes along, and we've already forgot it? Don't put your hands up, but I'm sure that you've done the same thing. Well, and I think that that is actually the grace of God, that we fail with some of these resolutions, because... God knows us better than we do. And if we stuck with the resolutions that we made, these resolutions which are often so focused on our kingdom and not God's, it would actually lead to our ruin. Do you believe that? If God gave us exactly what we wanted, that it might be our ruin, it it would be. I'm here to tell you that today. So many of our resolutions for the year, they're rooted in self-glorification. It's all about us having that spotlight right on us as we go about the year, rather than pointing to who God is, what He's done for us, and the glory that He deserves. We make resolutions fixated on ourselves. I'm guilty of that. I've been guilty of that many a times. But someone who understood the value and the importance of God-centered resolutions was the theologian Jonathan Edwards. Here's some of these resolutions as he I, don't know if he, I don't know if he made this as he began his year or not, or if these were just life goals, but either way, they're good ones. He said, resolved, never to speak evil of anyone, so that it shall tend to his dishonor, more or less, upon no account except for some real good. Resolved, after afflictions, to inquire what I am the better for them, what good I have got by them. And, by, and what I might have got by them. That's a little bit wordy, forgive me. He wrote a few hundred years ago. He also said this, Resolved to strive to my utmost every week to be brought higher in religion and to a higher exercise of grace than I was the week before. He said, Resolved to maintain the strictest temperance in eating and drinking. And he said, Resolved to live with all my might while I do live. I love that one. Resolved to live with all my might while I do live. You see, those are purposeful resolutions which have in them the end goal of shining the spotlight on God and not on ourselves. Because for Edwards, the goal was to keep these resolutions so as to savor the goodness of God more and more. You see, he wanted to know God more so that he could share him with others. And I would submit to you today that if our resolutions were rooted in those same things, in knowing, in savoring, and glorifying God, as we start this year, they would look drastically different than what Hollywood, Facebook, Twitter, or the magazine rack would suggest. Our weight loss and our muscle growth goals would not be rooted in showing off to one another, but in our desire to live healthier lives that we'd honor God with our bodies. The motivation for putting the half-eaten chip bag down 
or half-eaten tub of ice cream, depending on what you prefer, would be less about what others think and more about treating your bodies as the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your goal to read more books and increase your knowledge would not be rooted in bragging rights, but in being better stewards of your time and your gifts. And our career goals would not be rooted in increasing our status or buying fancier cars, but in being good stewards of the gifts he's given us and being salt and light in the world. Do you believe that? Do you agree with me? Yeah. So how do we transform our goals and our resolutions? We start simple. We start simple. We start and we stay in God's holy word. We look to him to direct our thoughts and our goals. So friends, that's what we're going to do this morning. As we begin this year, January 2nd, we're going to look to God's word, submit and submit to all that he would have us do as we begin this year. You with me? You with me? So with these things in mind, hear now from the holy, timeless, always necessary, living and all active word to us today. Hebrews 10, verse 19 to 25. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir, one, stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, just before we dive into our text, I just want to reassure you, if you feel like we just jumped in to the middle of something big, then you're right. In fact, the text that we just read actually serves as the author's main exhortation, or his main command in the entire book of Hebrews. We're at the hinge point in the book, The author has explained what we are to believe, and now he says, live this way. Simply put, the first ten chapters of this book could be summed up in three words. Who knows what those three words are? Yes, thank you, Dr. Gary. Jesus is better. That's what the author of Hebrews has been saying. He's better than the prophets who prophesied about him. He's better than the angels who he dispatches for his service. He's better than Moses. He's better than the priesthood. He's better than the sacrifices. He is the temple of God. And the, old, the whole entire Old Testament was pointing forward to this, preparing us to see and delight in Jesus. Jesus is better. And friends, because He is better, we should, no, we must live differently. That's what our passage is about this morning. So this morning, let's jump into it. And we're going to pull out four good resolutions. Good resolutions for this year. And let me tell you, full disclosure, they're not novel. None of these truths, none of these resolutions are groundbreaking. No. But they're some of the resolutions that the people of God have always and will always need to keep in order to serve God faithfully as they wait for Christ's return. So the first resolution we find in our text is this. Resolve to remember. Resolve to 
remember. Chris and I did this a little bit last, last night, actually. We went for a walk and we prayed together and we thanked God for what he had done. Remembering is so vital to us because if we are honest, we are not good at it. Right? We are so prone to forget what God has done for us. And when we forget what he's done in the past, do we believe he's going to do good in the future for us? No. No. When we forget what he's done, we begin to think that he's not going to take care of us in the future. And the, God's people have always struggled with this. You know, Levi, Pastor Levi mentioned life together. And in the first life together this past fall, we walked through the exodus. And what happened is God's people had just saw God deliver Israel with these awesome ten plagues. The, the Egyptians kicked them out. They said, get out of here. Get out. The Israelites went. They plundered the people of Egypt. But what happens? They come to the Red Sea. And what happened? Somebody yell it out. I don't really know. There's not a specific answer you could say. There's many answers. Basically, they cower in fear. And they, they, they begin to say, Moses, why did you bring us out here? Why? We're going to die out here. Why would you do that? Can you imagine that? They had just seen God decimate Egypt, break their spirits. And now they see the Red Sea and they go, whoa, I think that this is too big for God to handle. That's sad, isn't it? But that is what we do. We forget so frequently. So the author of Hebrews sums up what he's been preaching to the church by saying this. Remember these things. He says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God. Now, for the sake of time, we can't unpack all that the author of Hebrews has said here, but I, I do want to zoom in on a few things. The, the, the people of God that this author was writing to were tempted to fall away from their Christian faith back into Judaism. Isn't that interesting? They were tempted to fall away from Christ back into Judaism. They weren't going to fall away from religion completely. No, they were just going to go back. Go back to the sacrifices. Go back to the temple. Go back to the rituals. And the author of Hebrews says, if you do this, you're abandoning the Christian faith. These brothers and sisters had forgotten and lost sight of who Jesus was. The pressures that they were facing were weakening their resolve to endure. The temptation to fall away was growing. What was the antidote? Simply put, remember. Look back. Remember what Christ has done for you. Remember what God has done to save you from your sins and to bring you home. Remember, brothers and sisters, that Jesus Christ is and was the final sacrifice for sins. No more animals need to be slain. Remember that He entered into the Holy of Holies by offering Himself on our behalf. You know, how many of you were with us in Leviticus on the lawn? Lots of you were, I know. Energy going. <laughs> well, do you remember when Pastor Levi walked us through the Day of Atonement? The Day of Atonement was the center and the heart of the book of Leviticus. 
And there we saw that on that one day, one day in the year, and only one person could enter in into the heart of the temple, into the Holy of Holies. They could go behind the curtain and offer the blood of the sacrifices and offer incense. Friends, there was one day in the entire year, one day and one person who had that privilege of entering God's presence. But the author of Hebrews is picking up that language and he's saying, do you understand it? Jesus has gone once and for all and He's brought us unlimited access to God the Father. Once and for all, once and for all, we can go in now. Full access to God Himself. Through Christ, through His sacrifice, we can go. Remember that, brothers and sisters. The sacrifices under the Old Covenant were many and they were ongoing. Daily, weekly, Yearly, they just went on and went on and went on. But Jesus offered Himself as the one and final sacrifice to God that would secure. There's nothing else to do, friends. There's nothing else to do. Nothing that we can offer. Nothing that can make you love God more. Jesus was enough. He paid your debt in full. He lived the life that you and I could never live from his waking breath every single day. He loved God perfectly. He loved his brothers and sisters perfectly. Just like, we, just like Pastor Levi prayed, Jesus prayed this every moment of his life, life. Father, hallowed be thy name. And then he died. Did he bear his own sin? No. He bore your sin. He bore my sin. He was betrayed, crucified, and buried. And then God rose him from the dead, stamping his approval on the completed work of Christ. One author says this, he says, the resurrection was the Father's amen to the finished work of Christ. Friends, as we begin this year, remember that. Don't get bored of that. We are so prone, like I said, to forget and we are so quick to get bored of things, aren't we? Even the people who don't love change get bored of things. But we can never grow tired of this, friends. This is our hope. This is our certainty. Jesus paid it all once and for all. As we begin this year, let's resolve to remember this. Let's resolve to wake up each morning and to preach this truth to ourselves. And secondly, the text challenges us to resolve to draw near. Look with me to verse 22. The author of Hebrews says this, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. See, this is a call for us to take our first resolution, that is to remember what God has done for us, and to put it into action. Right? It's not enough just to believe the right things. No, we have to act upon them. And if you've believed that Jesus paid it all, if you believe that He entered into the Holy of Holies on your behalf once and for all, then you need to draw near. And the charge is not only to draw near, but the author of Hebrews says this, draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. You see that? God doesn't call us to mere sentimental, 
and wavering belief. He calls us to come with Him with full assurance, actually believing that Jesus did what He set out to do. You know, I remember one year when my hockey team, we were going to move up from house league up into rep. Tryouts would be happening for the team after the end of the, at the end of the season. And I assumed, because I was a good player, I assumed I would make the team and everything would carry on as before. But this all changed when I was talking to a few of the players. Instead of reassuring me, they devastated me. They rocked my world, my 14-year-old world, by declaring that I was on the bubble. I was on the bubble. Does everybody know that phrase? It meant my spot wasn't secure. I was going to have to go to the trial and work just as hard as everybody else. It rocked my world. I was devastated. Have you ever felt that way? I mean, insecure? Not sure, not sure if the footing that you're on is safe? Well, friends, that's not how it's supposed to be when we approach our Heavenly Father. But for many of us, it is. It is. But God doesn't want us, His children, doubting our standing with Him. We're not on the bubble. Hallelujah. We are secure. We've made the team, and if we're in Christ, they, there are no cuts. We've made it. We've made it. And in the, the same verse, the author tells us this. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Why? Because we've accomplished something on our own? No. But with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. The author is saying you can come with assurance because you've remembered that Jesus paid it all for you. Because that's what you're trusting in. You can come to God with confidence, with boldness, knowing that He loves you. Because Jesus did for you what you could never do for yourself. Our Heavenly Father wants us to come to Him confidently. He wants us to come with consciences free from guilt and shame because Jesus has taken our guilt and our shame and He bore it on the cross so we can come with bold and unwavering faith, friends. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that? Maybe there's some of you who've never actually experienced what a clean conscience feels like. Maybe that's something that you need to pray for as you begin this year. To say, Holy Spirit, impress these truths so deep into me that this head knowledge would go right into my heart, that I would believe again and remember and treasure that Christ paid it all and that I can come to God the Father because He loves me. Draw near with assurance and a clean conscience. Another question we can ask ourselves is this, as we look back on this year, was this a year in which we made God our top priority? You know, if we ever felt like we had an excuse to not do this, I would say it was these past few years, right? There were so many things changing. We didn't know week to week what if we were going to be able to even meet. Was God our top priority? Was He our second or third priority? Was He even in, on, on our list of top ten priorities? Well, friends, if he wasn't, let's make the change as we begin this year. Let's be able to look back as, we, as, as 2023 comes around and look back and say that 2022 was the year that we pursued God with all of our might, where we drew near with everything that we have. 
Now, friends, this is not rocket science. I hope I'm not making it sound like rocket science. These things start simple. It starts with setting our alarm on our phones, waking up early, devoting every single morning a set-aside time to have time with God's Word and in prayer. Instead of beginning and ending our days with our cell phones, let's begin and end them with prayer. Let's resolve to be obedient to the Holy Spirit's leading. Let's resolve to pray without ceasing as we go about our day. And don't tell me that's impossible. Because we carry... I don't have my phone on me. Look at that. I'm, I'm, I'm setting a good example here. But we can set reminders on our phones, can't we? We can set reminders on our phones to remind us to pursue God throughout the day. I remember I was speaking at a men's breakfast a few years ago, and Brother Keith was there. And that's one of the things I pointed out. I was like, it's really easy. You know, if I set an alarm on my phone at, say, 9.30, 12.30, 3.30, that'll break up my day. And, it, you know, I don't need to go to God with half an hour of prayer time each time. But that blocks out a piece of time throughout my workday where I can just pray to God. Say, Father, hallowed be thy name. Thank you for bringing me thus far today. Forgive me for that thought I had against my coworker. Give me strength to endure to the end of the day. We can do that, right? That's an easy step. Maybe there's some of you who have the luxury of sitting down for a lunch break. Maybe you have half an hour, maybe you have an hour. Maybe pursuing God, drawing near, means for you bringing a book to work. Has anybody ever thought of doing that? I can't be the only one. <laughs> I'll tell you this. I, I started to do this over the past six months because I was reading a book on church history. It was a great book, but it was taking me months. And I was so fed up, and I'm like, I've got to finish this thing. So I said, I'm going to bring it, and I'm going to finish it. I had about 100 pages left. I said, I'm going to read about 10 pages over the course of my half an hour lunch. I can do that. Sure enough, I did that. But that created in me a habit. So now every two or three days at work, set aside 10, 15 minutes, and I, I read a book. My coworkers make fun of me. I say, what do you got now? What do you got now, Matt? But it's, it's something small and simple. And what it does is it just reorients, reorients yourself. Friends, we want to make this year a year where we draw near to God with all of our being. Draw near with confidence. Let's make, let's make sure that our calendars reflect that what is most important, what is most important is not the growth of our businesses, but the salvation and growth of our families. Let's not, let's not let anything get in the way of our pursuit of God and pursuit of knowing God more and more this year. And then thirdly, and tied closely with drawing near is the resolution to hold fast. Resolve to hold fast. As we draw near, God, as we draw near to God, there is this, this plea, this challenge that we would be men and women who persevere. This is a call to put down deep roots and be unwavering in our walk with God. Look with me to Hebrews 10, verse 23. The author says this, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Don't you love that language? Hold fast without wavering. I love Lord of the Rings. I love movies like that. They stir up my spirit. And when I read verses like that, I'm just reminded that we are called to be hardy. We're called to be men and women of, of of resolve, of tenacity, of courage. 
And the Christian life is not one that is supposed to be easy. Right? Sometimes we are just so, so caught off guard that we experience hard times. We go, what's going on? But Peter says, don't be surprised when you suffer times of, of trials, when your faith is tested. No. These Christians that this author of Hebrews was writing to, they were tempted to fall away. They were suffering in some capacity, whether it was persecution, whether it was just mere peer pressure. But they were really tempted to fall back to the Jewish faith. They were tempted to untether themselves from all that God had done for them in Christ. That's what happens when we go through hard seasons. Holding fast, being tenacious, being courageous is hard. But that's what we're called to do. Our loving, our kind, gracious Savior Jesus put it this way. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. That's our loving Jesus talking. That one hurts, doesn't it? No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. And then in Mark 13, 13, he says this, And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Catch the first part? You're going to be hated. You're going to be hated for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. So church, don't give up. Don't give up. Hold fast without, wa- without wavering. Dig deep roots. This is a fitting challenge for the church today. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that, that we as the church in North America are feeling the pressure to pick up our Christian flag, pick it up and move it a little bit closer to the culture, are we not? Because to the watching world, our faith seems more and more archaic, doesn't it? It's exclusive in its claims. Its demands seem more restrictive than they ever have. What's the, what's the answer to these accusations, to the slander that we're receiving? Do we move our flag and conform to the culture? No. Do we choose to white out some of our Bibles? No. Instead, we keep on trusting in Jesus. And we cling to the hope that we have been called to. We keep on proclaiming Him to a world that desperately needs Him. And we hold fast to the truths that the church has held to over the centuries. Again, I'm emphasizing this. Stay in the Word of God. Stay in the Word of God. Stay in prayer. You know, if we ever needed it, it was now. just seems like everything else is shifting, doesn't it? There's no solid foundation. But there is in Christ. So stay in His Word. Make this a top priority in your life. Draw near to Him. And let this be the year where maybe you decide, I am going to set aside that time every morning and I'm going to start the RMM plan. That's the Robert, McMurray, Robert Murray McShane plan. You read about four chapters in, in a day, and over the course of the year, you read the Old Testament once, and the Psalms in the New Testament twice. It's such a good plan, and it's a lot of reading. If you don't like reading, it is. But it's so good. You just, it, you're, you're, you're um, what's the word? I'm forgetting the word, whatever. The point is, you're, you're in the Word of God. You're immersed in it. That's the word. You're immersed in it. It changes your mind. It reorients you. 
Make that a goal this year. And if that's too much reading, then, then pick a plan that seems more attainable. If you're a parent, if you're a parent, prioritize devotions this year. Let 2022 be the year where you say, yeah, devotions happened. Every day, every week, they happened consistently. Start these important and necessary habits in, the, in our children while they're young. And friends, if this is hard, then get an accountability partner. Find another father, another mother who's going to help you in this. Find somebody who has older kids and ask them, how did you get started? How did you get started with doing that? My kids can't focus. What did you do to help your kids focus? Let's resolve to believe and practice what the Bible calls us to, even when we're mocked, accused, maligned for it. And I would add, too, one of the ways we dig deep is by being prepared for the tough questions, tough conversations that the world is going to ask us. Maybe it's your family members, maybe it's your neighbors, maybe it's your kids who are already beginning to ask you questions about things that you have no clue about. Well, make this the year where you begin to read books that are going to help you have an answer. Make it a priority to study and read about I'll be honest, I'm 30, so to many of you, I'm, I'm young still. Now, to some of you, I'm old, which is fine. You know, the world has changed even in the past 15 years since I was in high school. It has. You know, it, it really has. And, and maybe, maybe some of you young people need to take this year and say, you know what? I need to set aside time to be prepared to answer the hard questions that my fellow students are asking. Maybe that your teachers are even going to ask you. Maybe some of you young people say, you know what? I need to make sure that that I'm in the Word of God and in prayer and that I'm doing it with friends who go to school with me. Maybe you start a prayer time at lunch or one of your lunch breaks or one of your, however the heck that works, however that heck high school works. Maybe it starts with that. I mean, how amazing would it be, parents, if your children were doing that at school? Having times of prayer at lunch, asking the teacher if they can borrow one of the classrooms to do that. Let's make it a priority, friends, to be on to purposely follow God with all our might. Because we're not alone. The author of Hebrews, Hebrews adds this one huge promise to this charge. In verse 23, he says this, Hold fast unwaveringly. Why? For he who promised is faithful. Your God is faithful. For some of you, this little promise is all that you've been hanging on to for the last two years. I'm sure that's the case here. Your whole life has been hanging by a thread. You don't feel like you're going to make it. We've been tested, we've been tried, and that's only going to continue on. We know that in 2022. But God would not say that we are to give up. No, He'd say, hold fast, take courage, because He is holding us as we cling to Him. He's faithful. The charge to hold fast isn't rooted in us white-knuckling our faith with all our might. No, it's rooted in the faithfulness of God to keep us. As the Apostle Paul said in Philippians, he said, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Dig deep. Hold fast. Cling to God because He is holding on to you. 
And lastly, another way that we hold fast to God, a necessary resolution that we need, is that this year we resolve to treasure community. We resolve to treasure community. You and I can't hold fast to our hope without one another. We've learned this lesson big time, haven't we, over the past few years? You know, I do not make it without you. I'm not going to make it without every single one of you praying for me, stirring up my faith, challenging me, encouraging me. And I got news for you. Neither are any of you going to make it apart from us being together. Is that not true? I feel like that's an amen, a moment for an amen. Amen! We need one another. And we're called to treasure one another. In verse 24 to 25, the author of Hebrews says this, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. See, the author knew that these, these Christians would not make it if they abandoned their habit of gathering for worship, or if they neglected the gift of grace which comes by being in tight community. In order to draw near to God, to hold your faith and hope unwaveringly, you need to remain close to the people of God, because we were never made to do this alone. I remember the first Sunday back at Cornerstone, after the first lockdown, and Krista can attest to this, my whole face hurt from smiling. You ever have those days you're so happy or somebody makes you laugh? Well, for those two hours or however long it was we were sitting in that room, I had a huge smile on. I was so happy to be back with the people of God. And it wasn't just the emotion that comes from seeing people for the first time. It was the mutual edification. It was my faith being stirred as we hummed along in the music as I saw hands raised, as we heard the Word of God preached, as we shared of God's faithfulness amidst unstable times. How many of you had an experience like that? Yeah. Martin Luther, the great reformer, a man of courage, a man of faith, this is how he spoke of corporate worship. At home, in my own house, there is no warmth or vigor in me. But in the church... When the multitude is gathered together, a fire is kindled in my heart and it breaks its way through. Martin Luther was no slouch. He was a man of faith. He was a man of courage, a man of resolve. But even he would admit that being alone just doesn't do it. But in the church, when the multitude is gathered together, a fire is kindled in my heart and it breaks its way through. The past few years have taught us the lesson that the author of Hebrews wanted us to learn. We need to resolve to treasure community. And for, for this morning, let's just hope in faith that we're going to keep on meeting for the rest of this winter. Let's just keep hoping and praying that God would make it so. And, in, and if that's the case... Treasuring community means that we mark off with a red pen on our calendars Sunday mornings for church. 
It's imperative that we do this as a community, though. It's not just your home that you're worried about. You need to be thinking about others. You know, the irony is I don't believe Papa B is here this morning, is he? So i gotta, I got to get him. But anyways, December 19th, I was, Krista and I stayed home. I had a bit of a cold, so I thought, oh, we'll just stay just to be safe. Service is over. Within less than an hour, I get a text from Papa B. Where are you? Is everything okay? Missed you. And then December 24th, same thing. See, I was, I was a bad husband. I usually do all the registering for Krista and I, and we were late to register for Christmas Eve, so we didn't come. Sure enough, the services ends, and about an hour goes by. Same thing. Where were you? Missed you. Hope everything's all right. And he wasn't shaming me. No, Papa B was checking in on me. Because Papa B treasures community. Is that not true? He loves Redeemer City. And we ought to be the same as Papa B. When somebody's not here, sending a text, sending an email, picking up the phone, saying, where were you? We missed you today. Is everything all right? How can I pray for you? Hope to see you next Sunday. And don't worry if, they, if you think you're going to shame them. If that's the case, just add another emoji. I'm, I'm stumbling over my words today. Add another emoji to the text. Let them know that you're doing this because you love them. You care for them. Because you treasure them. It's critical that we model this for the children and young people watching us. You know, how many of us can attest to the fact that our parents would tell us, you're going to church unless you're throwing up. How many of us had parents like that? That was my dad. And I didn't like it when I was younger, but now that, that's been so ingrained in me. I'm so grateful for that lesson. We want our kids to be the same. Obviously with COVID, you know, we've got to be careful, yes. But let's make sure that our young people know how important it is to be here gathering for, Sunday, for, for worship on Sunday, week in and week out. Treasuring community also looks like intentionally developing relationships with one another with here, here at Redeemer. Meaning we should be developing relationships with the people of God here in this gymnasium. Those friendships should lead to increased accountability. Treasuring community also looks, it looks like us circling Thursday nights on our calendar for Life Together, which begins January 20th. And it, it looks like us actively pursuing community with one another, treasuring it and guarding it. It looks like us reaching out to those who are on the fringes, to those who haven't been here for a while, to those who are on the outside of our community, aiming to pull those in who we see are on the outside. The author of Hebrews adds this line at the end of verse 25. He says, Resolve to treasure community, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. All the day as you see all the more as you see the day drawing near. See, that's his way, excuse me, of saying, you need your church family. Because things are only going to get harder before Jesus comes back. They're going to get harder, and you're going to need one another more and more and more. Jesus purchased us, his church, by his very blood, and he has called us to live with one another. So don't neglect this necessary grace. Don't neglect it. As we, can come to, as we come to a conclusion this morning, friends, I suspect and hope that for most of you, this text, along with its impl- implications, are not new. Right? We didn't go over any, cover any new ground here. And that's a good thing. Because God doesn't call us to reinvent the wheel. 
He calls us to resolve to remember what He's done for us. To rest in that. To remember that He has made a sure, a final way for us to be in right relationship with Him by putting our faith and trust in Jesus. God calls us to draw near and dig deep, hold fast unwaveringly as we walk with Him, with boldness, with confidence, based on what He's done for us. And lastly, He calls us to resolve to stay tightly knit, to treasure one another, to love one another. In 2022, brothers and sisters, let's resolve to keep these four simple tasks. For the glory of God, for the good of His people, and the church's witness across the globe. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You that no matter what we see, no matter what goes on in the world outside, Lord, You remain the same. You are the Sovereign One, the Righteous One, the Holy One, the All-Powerful One, the Holy and Loving Father. Lord, we thank You for that. We cling to that, Lord. And as we begin this new year, we do ask that You'd help us to remember that, to put our faith our trust, and our hope in Christ. We pray that You would give us the strength by Your Holy Spirit to pursue You with all our might, to put You first in all that we do, and Lord, to treasure one another, to love one another, also that the world would put their faith in You, give glory to You. For it's good, Lord, and for Your glory, Lord. We love You. We pray and we ask these things all in the mighty and saving, hallowed name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Worship team.